Welcome back to King Solomon and the Stoics, a project of denverkolel.org. In this final episode of Season 1, we examine Ecclesiastes Kohelet Chapter 12, where appropriately Solomon closes the book in which he examines the deeper meaning of life, the true meaning of life, and in which he puts down and denigrates foolishness, emptiness. He closes the book with the subject of death. But before he does so, he gives us an introduction. And he tells us, don't make a mistake, don't get depressed, don't fall into inactivity and refuse to get out of bed because you focus on the fact that your life is fleeting and, and what the end is and the fact that a person at the end of his life ceases to be able to be productive, to be active and eventually dies and is buried and his body, the person that we once knew, is no longer. That thought can be very depressing. And Solomon tells us that's not the point. Remember, says Solomon in verse 1, your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days, the days of the years come, where you will say, I don't have any interest in these days. Before you come to a point where you have no interest in being active, remember your creator. When you're young, you have ambition. When you're young, you have energy. Get out, do, accomplish, express your soul, express yourself, express the true meaning of life, and do so by remembering your Creator. Remembering your Creator in your youth will ensure that you're channeling your energy in the right direction. And that's Solomon's introduction. Before we get into death, which can be depressing and can cause a person in their youth to forget about the quality of youth and not to tap into the great power of youth, Solomon tells us, no, the point of remembering your end and that there's a judgment and that the physical fades away is not to get depressed and stop being active, but that you should remember your creator. The goal is to be alive as alive as possible, but remember your creator and direct your energies appropriately. And do so, says Solomon in verse two, before the sun disappears before the sun darkens and the sun and the light and the moon and the stars which the commentaries the sages point out refer to different parts of the human being they refer to the shine on the person's forehead the illuminated countenance of the face the the form of the human face which is something so incredible so so beautiful before all those things start to fade start to crumble before all those things happen before the tears dry up, before that happens, before a person cries for all the difficulties of old age, before those difficult days arrive, says Solomon, remember your creator. What will happen, he says in verse 3, on that day, when those who guard the house, referring here to the to low going down the human beings, we started with the face, now traveling downward, the organs and the and the ribs all these things that that hold a person together the thighs the legs um, the digestive system all these different aspects of the person start to break down at that time the person finally breaks down um, and in verse 4 Solomon says everything is now closed um, and and a person's limited he has no interest in going out and being active um, he runs and jumps to the sound of a bird because of fear. Everything is a worry and he has no interest in anything beautiful, even music, 
which he so once enjoyed now becomes meaningless. So all these things happen when a person ages. The system, we're going to read every verse, but the system starts to break down. And the basic point Solomon says in verse 5 and halfway through verse 5 is that a person is going to their eternal resting place. They're going to their home, their eternal home. And at that time, the marketplace is filled with people who are eulogizing this life that was lived. And sometimes they say things that are true and sometimes they say things that are false. But they attempt to sum up the life of this person that lies dead before them. So Solomon says, before the decline of old age, which ends ultimately with death, with a stopping of the life of the person as we know it, leaving it to those who are left behind to sum up that life. Before that happens, says Solomon, remember your creator. Direct your energies where they belong. But then Solomon goes further. It doesn't stop there. The decay of the human being doesn't stop by the different organs and, and, and the different aspects of the human being falling into disuse where the person cannot lo can no longer perform, can no longer do the things that the various limbs and organs are intended to do and everything stops ultimately ending in death. That's not where it stops, says Solomon. It can, the, the process continues because ultimately a person is returned to the earth and the soul goes back to heaven. And so there are two stages here of the process of death that Solomon's describing for us. One is that life as we know it the active life stops, and that declines and then stops with death. But it's more than that. The human being decomposes and is broken down to his core elements, returns to the earth. The human being as we knew it, as we knew him or her, ceases to exist, not simply in the active sense, but entirely, seemingly, at least from the superficial perspective, ceases to exist, breaks down, and join, rejoins the earth from whence he came. What's the lesson from this? What's the lesson from this depressing ending of man? Active man, intellectual man, man who can accomplish so much, the end is death. The end is decay. The end is the soul returning to God and the body returning to the earth. And that's the point. That's exactly the point that Solomon's driving at. The soul returns to God and the body returns to earth. The body served the soul for a lifetime, hopefully loyally, and now it's time for them to temporarily separate until the resurrection of the dead when they come back together, when God recreates the body and the spirit once again rejoins its loyal partner, the body. But for the time being, the two are separated. And the spirit returns to God. It's not that the human being, says Solomon, ceases to exist entirely. No. The true human being, the spirit, the soul, the eternal aspect of self, the personality, that continues to live on. That soul lives on forever. It returns to its source. It goes back to its source and gets renewed energy for its, ne for its next chapter, which ultimately will be with the resurrection of the dead. It goes back for a recharge, for a super recharge. It's not that the human being is over and done with and ceases to exist. No, the physical declines and dies while the spiritual gets stronger by leaving the, con the confines of the physical and rejoining its creator. 
That's the process that Salma is trying to explain to us, which leaves us with the lesson, which is the ultimate lesson of the book of Kohelet, of the book of Ecclesiastes. And that is verse 8. Everything, says Solomon, is futile. Says Kohelet, everything is futile. And again, we have, as we did in the opening verses of this book, we have a repetition, a redundancy of the word futility. So if we count it up, says Rabbi Vali, we have four futilities in this verse because the second word in the verse is havalim in the plural. And then we have one time in the singular in the beginning of the verse, and then the verse ends with the word havel. And as Rabbi Vali said in the beginning, and we started off with this idea in episode number one, futility, hevel, havalim, could mean futility, nothingness, empty ear. It also can mean pure spirituality, the breath, the inner essence of everything that lies beneath the, super, the superficial, that lies beneath the externality. That, the externality is empty. The superficial glance, that's empty. But the deeper perspective reveals everything at its core is pure spirituality. However, the question is, why do we find here in 12.8 that Solomon only, or Kohelet only mentions four times futility, four times Havel. There are four times spiritual. Why doesn't he say seven? As the book opened up, there are seven forms of spirituality, which were actually told us relate to the seven days of creation. There are seven different elements to the spiritual universes that underlie and are the underpinnings of the world that we see and beyond. Why here do we talk of seven spiritual aspects to, the, to reality, and here we only talk about four? And Rabbi Vali explains that the seven days of creation go back to the very beginning of the world. And as the world is created, there are seven spiritual um, aspects to reality that are brought into the world. However, today where we stand in history is very similar to the process of death that Solomon describes about the person. We, the Jewish people, the world, in a certain sense, mirror this process of decay that a person as an individual undergoes. We, in history, have fallen from our spiritual stature. We, the Jewish people, once, once lived in the land of Israel with the open manifestation of the Divine Presence in the Holy Temple, in the Beis HaMikdash. That is who we were as a people. We once comprised of 12 tribes who surrounded the house of Hashem. We were one. We were Echad, which is one, which is the numerical value of 13. We were 12 tribes surrounding a core, surrounding a center. But then the decay set in. We began with idol worship. The 10 tribes went into exile, never to be heard from again. The rest of the Jewish people went into exile. We are a fraction of ourselves. The world is a fraction of what it could be if God's name, if knowledge of Hashem, if morality and understanding, as Rav Hirsch says so beautifully, that all human beings, all creations, are unified, that in the sense that they all are all creations of Hashem, that morality, that core is something we're missing. And we're missing so terribly. And the world is full, so full of sadness, suffering, pain, murder, all sorts of issues, all, all sorts of problems. There's lots of good too. But we're not what we could be. We're not where we once were. Where we stand today in history is in a certain sense at the point of death 
awaiting the resurrection as a as humanity as what it means to be a person what once was is no longer but we know that one day it will return however it's not a full stop we don't have a world of pure evil there's lots of good in the world as we just mentioned and so therefore there are four elements of spirituality that um, that we're yearning for that really if you look at the world it looks so dark perhaps at times it looks so superficial it's difficult to uncover the meaning as you travel through the book of Kohelet it's difficult to see the deeper meaning of everything but there still are spiritual entities there are still there is still spirituality that exists in our world the three lower levels of spirituality that under underpin the seven days of creation the seven aspects of reality three of them exist there is spirituality, there is goodness today too. However, four have departed. Four, we await their return. And that's why Solomon says there are four things that we're saying, there are four aspects of spirituality, that all the, all the meaning that is missing from the world around us relates to the four aspects of spirituality that we don't have today, that we yearn for, that we understand and know with faith do exist. The world is a better place then it looks. It just hasn't been revealed yet exactly how. And so the lesson of decay and decline, both in world history and in the human being on a personal level, is not one of depression, is not one of pointing to the meaninglessness of all reality so that we should not have any appreciation for it. No, that's not the point. Rather, the point is to discover by seeing past the external by seeing past the superficial through the work of of discovering the meaninglessness of superficiality we discover the true meaning and the true authentic genuine meaning of life and of reality solomon goes on to say in verse 9 more whether this is solomon talking or this perhaps some commentaries say is just summing up the book and whoever whoever actually composed it and put it into writing. More than Kohelet was a wise man, he also taught Da'at, which means understanding. If we would translate that, we'll explain it in a moment. And he helped define and and uh, and make wisdom accessible through the composition of many parables. What does this mean? So there's a lot to unpack here. We'll try to just do one or two points on this verse. Solomon was very wise, but he managed to bring his wisdom to us. And the way he did that was through the medium of parables, which is really the book of, 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 uh, of Mishlei, the book of Proverbs, where Solomon composes many parables and he allows us to touch wisdom, to touch his wisdom through metaphor. Because Solomon's wisdom, perhaps, the depth of it is inaccessible. When put into a metaphor, we're able to understand it just a bit. And through this process of metaphor, Solomon teaches us dot. Dot relates to the inner meaning of everything. Kohelet, the book of Ecclesiastes specifically, teaches us to see the meaninglessness of life only that we can discover the dot, the deeper, true understanding of things. We come to a deeper level of appreciation of wisdom through the journey of the book of Kohelet. And in verse 10, Solomon says, or the writer says, Kohelet sought to find desirable words, and he wrote, true, he wrote straight words of truth. 
Kohelet Ecclesiastes uncovers the truth. It points to what is false so that we can discover what is true. But the idea, and again, this is always the tension and the struggle in the book, is that the words should be desirable. The point is not to become disenchanted with reality. The point is to find a renewed appreciation for the true meaning of life. And so Solomon looks not only to write words of truth, but that the words of truth shouldn't sting, shouldn't hurt. The words of truth should be desirable. They should be meaningful. That's Solomon's goal. And now we have some general statements about wisdom, about wisdom at large. The words of the wise are like darvanot, which, which the commentaries explain are the, I don't know exactly the English word for this, but they, the, at, the, at the top of the plow, there was a peg that would keep the plow straight as it was dragged through the field. So the words of the sages keep us straight. As we search out the true meaning of things, our minds can play quite a, quite a, quite a few tricks on us. We are biased. We, are, we, have, we have so many things that get in the way of understanding appropriately and properly. But we have those who came before us. We have the sages who were so close to the source, who had tradition from Sinai, who were so close to God. They serve as, a, as this peg that keeps us straight. As we plow and dig, because that's what life's about, plowing through life trying to uncover its inner meaning, which is something we as individuals need to do. We must do the plowing. The sages, the words of the sages act as the peg that keeps us straight. The, word, the books that are recorded before us are plantings. They're guarded for us. They're there for eternity to allow us to tap into the great wisdom and there are many different types of wisdom. There are many different authors. There are many different generations. And they're gathered together in various places for us to benefit. And they all come from one source. There is only one truth. But there are many varieties. There are many ways of expressing that one truth. And some of those varieties talk to some people. Others talk to other people. And at different times in life as well, we have different types of wisdom, different coatings and different packaging speaks to us at different times in life. And all, so long as it all comes from one source, so long as it's all an expression of one truth, it's all appropriate and will all inspire us. More so, says Solomon, my son, uh, or Kohelet, whoever's writing here, says, be careful from making many books that have no end. And one of the ways of reading this verse is that making too many books, getting too lost in the minutia of this philosophy versus that philosophy, getting too caught up in our own understanding, too caught up in our own creations, writing our books you know, to no end and thinking that what we created, the thoughts, the ideas, the perspectives that we've come up with are really where it's at. We can take that too far says Solomon, don't make too many books that have no end. On the other end, another perspective, another side of the spectrum, this verse is saying a positive statement. And it's saying, if you get deeply involved in the wisdom of the books, then it will allow you to transcend the limitations of the physical. It will allow you to get past the trap of living a hedonistic 
just moment-to-moment search for the next pleasure. Involvement in wisdom will allow you to escape the trap of the physical. However, it also can be a danger because the goal of life is to live in this physical world and to live properly, not to escape life. And so wisdom is meant to inform. Wisdom is meant to purify. Wisdom is meant to elevate. Wisdom is not meant to be an escape. And even wisdom in excess can be a harmful thing. So there's two sides to this verse. And then Solomon says, at the end of the day, the bottom line is everything is hurt. Everything you do is eternal. Everything you do is recorded. Therefore, fear God and guard his commandments, for this is the entirety of man. The entirety of man, and there's so many ways of understanding this verse, but one of them is the entirety of man, the end, meaning the true, to sum it all up, the deepest essence of man is fear of God. This is the entirety of man. It's an incredible thing. It's at the end of the day that we can appreciate this. The deepest expression of human greatness is the self-nullification that we can do with all of that greatness standing before God and say, here, it's all you, it's all yours, and it's only your gift that allowed me to reach this place of human achievement. That is the greatest of human achievements. That's where a person really climbs beyond self, where a person can get higher, get more profound understanding of wisdom than they were capable of a moment ago, is when they're able to stop and let go. That's the end of the matter. That's the entirety of man is fear of God, which allows us to keep his commandments. We don't know best. We don't know what's best for ourselves. Sometimes we need to be protected from ourselves. So the end of the day, the end of human achievement is to understand that there's more than you and there's more wisdom than your wisdom. And that your wisdom is only a tip of the iceberg, maybe. Therefore, fear God. Recognize that there's something out there that you shrink back in the face of the infinite. Fear God. Love of God. Action is an expansion of self. Fear of God is shrinking back into oneself. Holding back. One second. I don't know. I don't know everything. All my accomplishments pale when I think of the infinite that expression. And therefore, I keep to the commandments of God because I don't know better. That's the end of man. That's the deepest expression of human achievement is to be able to say there's more than me and therefore I will submit my understanding and my desires before the will of the Almighty, which is keeping the mitzvah. All of your actions, Hashem, God will bring in judgment on everything that is hidden, whether it be good or bad. Every single aspect of life has in eternal meaning. We think of small little incidents, a line we say to our friend, to our spouse, and it is taken the wrong way. Something we say is insulting or whatever it may be, a small incident that we, 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 uh, we wave it away. It's insignificant. No. Everything is significant. The lesson of Kohelet is that on the one side, if we think about looking for pleasure, if we think about chasing honor, it's really nothing. It's, it's worthless. It's so meaningless. That's life, really? 
another pleasure that the moment you're done with it, 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 it means absolutely nothing. Another, another acquisition, another piece of property, another experience, is that really what it is? On the other hand, no, every single aspect of life when treated properly and appropriately has eternal enduring meaning. And even the fact that our sins, our mishaps are taken before God and we need to, we need to account for them teaches us obviously to be careful with what we do, but it also teaches us to appreciate life, to appreciate our value, to appreciate the value of our actions, to appreciate the meaning of our choices. That's the end. That's the ultimate goal. Thank you for joining me on this journey through Coelet Ecclesiastes. Our next journey, season two, we explore the great figures, the great biblical figures, Joseph, Judah, and then King David. And through that, we discover two approaches to leadership, two approaches to self-development. Looking forward to seeing you there. Thank you.